that I think a lot of us have forgotten how to tune into um, that moment where we are really in need of rest. Um, It's much easier to just power through and go to the next thing on our list than to step back and, and go, wait a minute, something is off here. And maybe I need to solve that instead. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. You can find out more about my work as an intuitive guide and teacher at karenhager.com. Now then, what is the secret to good rest? A lot of us push ourselves past the breaking point on a regular basis. The list of responsibilities can seem endless. So when someone tells us to slow down or relax, what does that really mean? Is that even practical to do, given all the pressures, all the things that most of us are handling in our daily lives? Well, my guest today is Jimena Vengoechea. She'll be sharing practices and insights to help us tap into real rest, restorative rest. Are you ready to meet her? Jimena Vengoechea is a user researcher, writer, and illustrator whose work has been featured in Inc., The Washington Post, Newsweek, Forbes, Huffington Post, among others. Jimena is a contributor at Fast Company and writes letters from Jimena, a newsletter about staying curious, getting creative, and living well. She's also the creator of the popular project, The Life Audit. Jimena is a keynote speaker on topics like empathetic and inclusive listening, navigating difficult conversations, and preventing burnout. Her new book is Rest Easy, Discover Calm and Abundance Through the Radical Power of Rest. Find out more about Jimena and her work at jimenavengoechea.com. Jimena, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. I'm glad you're here. I was, we were kind of laughing a little before we started the recording. I wonder why you wrote the book. This seems like something I would do if I really, really needed to rest. I would just write the book about rest instead of resting. So you, I'm sure, are much more balanced and put together. Why did you write this book about rest? Uh, well, you're right. It's a very type A approach to uh, <laughs> to, to answering that question. Um, guilty. Um, yeah, you know, I wrote it because it was a book that I needed. Um, you know, several years ago, I was working a nine to five, um, leading a team. Uh, I was becoming a parent. I have, I had a child. Um, I was also working on my first book. Um, the pandemic happened, uh, wildfire season happened, <laughs> all these things that were, you know, pretty, big milestones for me personally, um, that came with their own ups and downs, plus some of the things that I think many of us were, were faced with collectively, they all happened at once. Um, sort of, you know, when it rains, it pours in, in the worst kind of way. Um, and I found myself really exhausted, perhaps unsurprisingly, but what did surprise me is that when I sort of finally started to to tune into that, because I think I had been, um, ignoring that to some degree, you know, just kind of putting one foot in front of the other, just focusing on getting through the day, getting things done. Um, but when I did start to tune into that and realize, okay, something has to change. This is not sustainable. Um, you know, I was super fatigued, super burned out. I realized I didn't know 
how to recover. I didn't know how to reverse these effects of burnout. I didn't know how to feel energized again. And I remember, I remember thinking that it was kind of absurd, truthfully, you know, rest is such a a basic thing yet. Somehow I had lost the thread of that. Um, but I don't think I'm the only one. And that was, that was part of the impetus, you know, for not just discovering these answers for myself, but also for sharing them. I know that sometimes what we think rest is, is different from what it really is. How do you define rest? What is it really? Yeah. You know, I I would say that sometimes we do things that feel that we think are restful, right? Like, uh, you know, watching a couple episodes on Netflix or zoning out in front of our phones um, because we're tired. And and those are the things that we can do. That's a moment that we feel is, is for us. Um, Usually those activities are not really actually restful. Um, What I define as restful is activities that can be calming or energizing. Those are kind of two sides of the same coin, um, which also leave us better off than we started. So the reason I don't Mm -hmm. count things like Netflix or doom scrolling is because usually we, we feel worse, um, more anxious or, you know, (laughs) we're not even breathing as deeply, um, or more tired. Um, so I don't count those things, but when I do think about rest, I really think about rest on three levels. There's physical rest, which I think most of us are, are more in tune with, and many of us think instantly of sleep and and that is a big part of it. Um, there's mental rest. If you've ever been on a vacation, you know, laying down at the beach, but still had your mind running with anxiety, you know, that there is something different (laughs) happening between physical and mental rest. And then there is what I call spiritual rest, which is really the kind of rest that we experience when we take in a sunset or a really moving performance. Maybe it's music, maybe it's dance, a, a work of art, but something is is moving us and creating a sense of peace inside. And all three of those pieces, physical, mental, and spiritual, it feels like when when we are resting in the way that you're describing, not only are we better off, but it feels like we're almost kind of transported in that moment. It doesn't mean the things we were, we were worried about go away, but that we come out of that rest period with greater perspective, maybe greater understanding. I think that's right. I mean, I think if you even think of the days that you, let's say, get less sleep than you usually do for whatever reason, you know, you have a young child who wakes you up or um, you're just not sleeping well. Think about the days where you sleep well versus don't and how your mood is affected, your sense of humor is affected, your ability to be generous, to um, have a greater perspective on things, to be more empathetic. Um, All of these things are affected. And I think we sometimes take rest for granted. We sort of forget that it's important because in some ways it is sort of this invisible force, you know, when we're getting it, we don't have to think about it too much, but you really start to notice how detrimental it is to not get it when you start to miss it. And, and you feel, you know, the irritability come up and the lack of generosity and just a totally skewed perspective on things. 
Well, and that takes you to a choice point, I guess, because you can. I was brought up with that, you know, that good sort of frantic Midwestern work ethic, you know, where you you get to that place where you notice you're in trouble and you can decide to choice A, push farther or choice B, rest. And sometimes in that place of choice, we can't, it can be really difficult to choose rest. I think that's right. And, you know, I would say that some people don't feel like there is a choice there. Um, you know, it sort of depends on the position you're in, whether you feel that you really, truly can slow down, push back, um, depending on, you know, the work environment, the kind of organization you're in or your home environment. I mean, I think we all have limitations that are, um, real and also perceived, you know, where we feel like we're unable to do that, um, for whatever reason, um, and I, I would say also that I think a lot of us have forgotten how to tune into, um, that moment where we are really in need of rest. Um, it's much easier to just power through and go to the next thing on our list than to step back and, and go, wait a minute, something is off here and maybe I need to solve that instead. What are some of the things that in that moment of, choosing, right? I'm going down in flames. Shall I do eight more things on my to-do list or shall I have meaningful rest? What are some ways that we can in that moment of choice kind of tip the balance toward rest? It's overcoming, I think for a lot of people, it is for me anyway, it's overcoming some old programming to allow that rest. Yes, definitely. There are a lot of cultural messages that um, really don't want us to rest that, that suggests that our worth is in our output. Um, you know, this goes back a long, a long time, right? It's like, we've got the Protestant work ethic. We've got this idea that our work is what makes us worthy, um, or, or good, morally good. Um, and you know, if we're not working, that must be a bad thing. We must be lazy. Um, you know, uh, what's the, what's the saying? Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and all of that, I think, you know, even if you are not religious, we have internalized some of this messaging because it has kind of gone through, um, and has escaped a more religious space to now being really part of how organizations are run and, and, um, just part of the culture uh, specifically in, in the U S where I think this is, um, can be very intense. Um, so we are kind of working, you're sort of swimming upstream when you do decide to, to make that choice and to rest, um, which is hard, but I think really worthwhile. So some of the things that you can do, it depends, you know, whether you are a person who is drawn to physical rest, spiritual rest, or, um, uh, mental rest, what you really need in that moment. But the beauty of it is there are lots of things. So I think of it as like, it's a sort of rest toolkit and you can kind of pick and choose and see what works for you. Um, some of the things that are known to be really helpful and restful are, for example, spending time in nature. That does not mean that you need to live in the countryside. Uh, you can be in an urban setting in a city and still get a dose of nature, even if that's just sitting on a park bench for 20 minutes, um, that is still going to help or taking a walk around your neighborhood and specifically going towards the leafiest blocks you can find, mm. um, or paying attention to the shape of the trees and the shape of the leaves and these fractal patterns 
which are really easy for our brains to process um, and therefore not fatiguing, especially when you have this kind of like overwhelming sense of like decision-making fatigue, where you've just been kind of thinking, 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 and you just need to quiet things down. Um, so that's one thing, um, taking walks in general, movement in general, walking, swimming, um, dancing can all be stress relieving. Um, and then I think too, thinking about things like, um, sound, so again, depending where you live, maybe you hear a lot of sound. Uh, maybe those are not chosen sounds. <laughs> you know, maybe you wouldn't choose to have a construction site set up in <laughs> front of your house, but there it is. Um, sound really affects us too. Um, and that can be very stressful. Uh, so if you live by an airport, for example, that's, that's going to affect your health in a different way than if you live out where it's totally quiet. Um, but thinking of ways to bring calming, restful sounds into our environment. So birdsong, you know, there's recordings of birdsong all over the internet that you can find. The sound of running water, again, these nature sounds are very, very calming. Um, or maybe you, you want to be energized and you've got, you know, your playlist of pump-up jams that get you going. Um, or maybe you just need silence. And that is what is going to feel really calming to you. Um, so it's sort of, I think of it as, you know, you're sort of tuning in with your five senses and thinking about, okay, do I need, do I need to pay attention to sound now? Do I need to close my eyes? Do I have too much visual stimuli? Do I need to, um, you know, touch a, a really fuzzy, comforting sweater, right? There's all these different things that we can do um, to calm ourselves down or to energize ourselves. Hmm. I love the idea of having a toolkit when I think about sound. So I um, lived a lot of my life in San Francisco and we lived um, right in the city where there was quite a lot of noise. And to me, that sound was comforting. And now I live out in the suburbs and except for the occasional like predatory leaf blower sound coming through, I miss that, like the hum that cities have. And so in my rest toolkit is white noise that replicates mm. city sounds like a dog barking far away and a car pulling up and a right. So something I just found in a little white noise place. So for me, it's the city for somebody else that might be the opposite of what they need. So I love how individual this is, Jimena. Yeah. And, you know, some people love, for example, um, the sound of a fireplace crackling, a fire crackling, you know, and you can get those uh, sounds on YouTube or the sound of a, a coffee shop, which is kind of like humming with energy. I, I'm someone who, you know, I mostly work from home. And sometimes when I feel my energy flagging, I'm either going to decide to take a nap or I'm going to decide to go to a coffee shop and yep. feel energized by being around other people. And, you know, I, it's going to be different uh, every day. Um, and I think that's true for for all of us. What we need in that moment is very specific and personal to us. You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Jimena Venguechea. Her new book is Rest Easy, Discover Calm and Abundance Through the Radical Power of Rest. You can find out more about Jimena and her work at jimenavenguechea.com. Are you ready? I'm going to spell. It's X-I-M-E-N-A-V-E-N-G-O-E-C-H-E-A.com, jimenavenguechea.com. In this book, which is the book to me is a rest toolkit in and of itself, because it's full of, um, it's not just words, there are illustrations in there, and it's full of really interesting tools and practices we can use. 
In the book, you talk about five different kinds of rest profiles. And I wonder if you can maybe share what those are with us. Maybe we can find ourselves in those. So the five rest profiles, these are really ways that we relate to rest. These these kind of explain our approach to rest and our connection to rest. Um, and you may hear parts of yourself in, in all of them or think, oh, I do a little bit of this. I do a little of that. That's normal. There's usually one that we, you know, feels more like us. Um, and so that's what I would focus on. Um, the first is the intuitive rester. So these I think of as sort of the dream, right? <laughs> in terms of creating a good positive relationship with rest. These are people who are really in tune with when they need rest, whether that's physical um, or spiritual or mental. They're they're sort of attuned to the cues that, okay, they're, they're about to wear themselves out um, and they have these deliberate rest practices in place. They know what works for them um, and they have a nice rhythm and routine to it. Um, and because they have all of those things in place, they're much less likely to get burned out. They really have embraced rest in a way that I think is somewhat counterculture, um, but which I certainly aspire to. Um, the second I would call the functional resters. So these are people who have a pretty good set of rest practices in place, largely because for various circumstances, they really can't function without rest. So they can't afford to push rest back. For example, um, people who work the night shift have to figure out how to rest during the day. Um, mm. That has to be a priority in order for them to function. Or people with chronic illness um, who really have to be in tune with what's happening and really have to prioritize getting rest, even if they don't necessarily want to. Um, and so that's functional resters. Then we also have our gold star resters. So gold star resters are very achievement oriented, um, very, um, you know, productivity focused, efficiency focused. Um, they want to rest, but usually they see rest as a gold star for getting all of their work done. <laughs> so they're going to focus every on everything on their to-do list. And then once they do that, then they have earned the right to rest. That's kind of how the, the thought pattern goes. The challenge there is that there's always more that you can put on your to-do list. And so rest will often get pushed back and get pushed back. And they um, are maybe quick to burn out because of that, because they're really not kind of forcing rest up the ladder. It keeps getting pushed off. So it's a tricky, it's a tricky profile. Um, the others I would say are anti-resters. So anti-resters, similar to gold star resters, they're not getting a ton of rest, but where a gold star rester truly does want to rest. It's just not the highest priority. Um, Anti-resters really don't want to rest. They kind of see it as something that gets in the way of doing all this other stuff. You know, it's like they wish they had more hours in the day that didn't involve sleep um, to get things done. They're very much a part of this rise and grind culture um, where it's about producing more, doing more, um, you know, thinking of the phrase, like I'll sleep when I'm dead. I, I think that's a pretty good summation of this profile. Wow. And then the last one that I'll mention are deprived resters. I think we are all at some point or another likely to be a deprived rester. You may really want to rest, but there's some reason that you can. So that could be, um, some kind of health issue that could be, you have young children, right? You, you want the rest, but there's something that's getting in the way. 
Um, and hopefully this is not a, you know, um, a permanent state, but more a phase that you go through and, and then can, um, get out of. I knew it. I'm a gold star rester. <laughs> Darn it. Um, <laughs> I recognize myself in that one. <laughs> um, so looking, starting to kind of understand yourself and what your personality type is, how can, especially with those difficult ones, right? Gold star and anti and deprived. How, how would you guide people if they recognize themselves in one of those three to begin to allow rest? Cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of mental gymnastics that go on. At least I know for me, I get it about having the to-do list that's 50 pages long. And you think when you get to the end, your reward will be, and then to rest and then something else always comes up. Yeah. You know, I think that, um, I think there's a few ways to think about it. One of them is to think about what is the thing that is practically getting in the way of rest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we, we all have that, that mental list of like, well, you know, too much work or too much, um, you know, life admin stuff around the house or childcare or whatever it is. And yet usually we all have some time during the day that probably could be used for rest, but we're using it another way. So a good example is, um, you know, when you're at the doctor's office waiting, uh, instead of taking maybe a restful moment for yourself and just closing your eyes for a little bit or putting your headphones in and listening to something calming, um, or doodling, which is also quite restful. What do most of us do? We, we pick up our phone. And, you know, we just get lost in our phone um, or we use it as a time to like shoot off some more emails and try and be productive. Um, so I, I like to encourage people to start to look for those pockets of time that you're already losing to something else and see if you can't replace it with an activity that is restful, that you enjoy enough that it won't be so much a tug of war between, you know, this sort of not restful behavior and something that is more restful. Um, it does require a little bit of trial and error to, to, you know, figure out like, do I like drawing enough to, you know, bring a pen and paper and doodle, doodle wherever I go, or, you know, do I like, um, you know, walking enough to figure out how this fits into my routine, but trying to experiment and find some restful activities, um, and then kind of match them with these, sinkholes of, of non-restful activity, I think is a good place to start. And I can see how the experimentation itself would be restful. At least for me, a big, a big thing I come up against is that idea of allowed, right? I can't do it till I'm through the, through the to-do list or whatever it is. I can see how experimenting with the kinds of rest is a, is a sort of delightful journey in itself. Totally. I mean, I think you know, when I was experimenting on my own rest journey, it was a really lovely way to get back in touch with like, what were the things that I enjoyed as a kid? What were the things that I considered to be play? What, what did that feel like? Because play is its own form of rest. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, getting to explore and try different things out and see what works. And, and also, frankly, to see what doesn't work. You know, there were things that I tried that uh, you know, I, I will never do again and that's fine. Right. But the book is really, um, hopefully it's a way for you to see all these different techniques and then to try them out, to see if, you know, 
you know, you want to explore with something that is about um, having better boundaries with technology, because that's going to be really useful, or whether it's more about um, getting back into crossword puzzles um, or baking um, or hiking, because those things are really restful. What changes when we're rested, when we tap into the radical power of rest, what changes in us and in our lives? I think fundamentally, we're better versions of ourselves. When you're not well rested, you're not operating on a full tank of gas, you're going to get suboptimal results, whether that is, you know, from a work perspective, where the work is just not as good as it could be, or from an interpersonal perspective, where your ability to connect with other people is just not as strong as it would be otherwise, um, or from a sense of self, you know, feeling good in the world. I think that so much of it, um, you know, when we do get the rest we need, there's, I think, a, a little bit of a sense of fulfillment, even if we wouldn't call it that, but, you know, you're showing up in a way that just feels better and is more you. How can listeners get their hands on the book and how can they find out more about what you're up to? You have a lot of projects going. I do. I do. I'm trying to pace them out so that I don't overdo it. No, no, you'll um, be fine. Add more. It'll be great. It's fun. <laughs> um, yeah, you can, uh, folks can find me at my website, himenavingwitcha.com. Um, the book is available on all the major players, Amazon and all of those guys, bookshop. If you'd like to support a local indie, um, or request it at your library. That's another option, um, but that's linked on my website. And then I also have a newsletter, um, which is himena.substack.com, where I send out book updates and, and talk a, a lot about this kind of stuff. Oh, I love it. What is your favorite rest practice like today in this moment? What's your favorite one? For me, it's reading fiction. And that was something that I did a lot of as a kid. And, and even in college, I was a literature major. And then I kind of stopped for like five years. Um, I only read nonfiction, I think, because I was writing nonfiction. I sort of veered in that direction. And this whole process reconnected me with my love of fiction. And I find it so relaxing and just it transports you to a different world where you don't have to think about your own worries. You can, you know, get lost in somebody else's world. And I find that really um, very, very calming. I love it. What are you reading these days? I just finished Zakia Harris's um, The Other Black Girl, which is um, maybe maybe a little more energizing than calming, actually. it's It's got a, a little touch of horror. So um, it's Ooh. very fun. I see. I think a little touch of horror is relaxing, but that we've already established that I'm deranged, <laughs> but I... I love those. I love that kind of stuff. Um, Jimena, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. Thank you so much for having me. I've been talking with Jimena Vengoechea. Her new book is Rest Easy, Discover um, Clarity and Abundance Through the Radical Power of Rest. You can find out more about Jimena and her work at jimenavengoechea.com. That's X-I-M-E-N-A. V-E-N-G-O-E-C-H-E-A.com, Jimenavengoechea.com. And of course, you're always welcome over at KarenHager.com. That's a great place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private session with me there if it feels aligned. And you can follow me on Instagram where I'm Fog City Psychic for more out of the fog content, occasional photos of Maisie the dog taking a nap, and lots of jigsaw puzzles. You will always know what's on the puzzle board if you follow me at um, on Instagram where I'm 
Fogsity Psychic. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world, and a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace.